Well, I had my choice today of whether to bring a, a Palm Sunday service or to follow up on what I knew was going to be going on with the mission emphasis, and so I'm going to do both. We should be out of here by 1130, so, you know. Uh, I choose a passage text today from uh, the second out of Matthew's God. Most of the time when we think about missions, we think about uh, the Great Commission. And, uh, but uh, there's also a passage over in John chapter 20 that, uh, that always means a lot to me. And it's when Jesus said, you know, uh, uh, as the Father has sent me into the world, so send I you. And it's a great, uh, we're to be followers of Jesus Christ. And to follow him means we go where he goes, right? And sometimes we want to follow him kind of like Peter did at a distance. We don't want to get too close. Uh, you know, it's a privilege to be in this pulpit. I, I really, I really, I, my wife and I, we love First Baptist Church. Though I must say for a season, I don't think First Baptist Church loved us. And those of you who know the history of all that can, will understand that. Because you, you accused me of robbing your former pastor when Brother Keith Miller was here. And I had nothing to do with it. I, I've said that a dozen times before. I'll say it one last time and then shut up about it. When Keith Miller came to my office and said, I want to go to China and work there, that shocked me. I said, no, no, God didn't say that. You're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> but uh, Gloria and I came to Enid. Uh, I'd pastored in Norman, the Emanuel Baptist Church there, for 24 years. And we came to Enid in, in the year 2000. And she, she's not here in this, so I guess she'd be on the same. Uh, D, uh, uh, D. Taylor, y'all know D. Taylor. Uh, when the, the first Sunday that we came into this church, my wife and I, we parked over here. And the door wasn't locked at that time. We could come in this door over here. And we came in that door, and, and Jim and D. Taylor were walking in right. And I knew Jim Taylor when he was music minister in Hevener, Oklahoma, over in far eastern Oklahoma. And I said, Jim Taylor, what are you doing here? He said, well, Richard Stevens, what are you doing here? And we both started to leave right then. But, uh, but, but we said, well, we love this church, love the emphasis, love the people here. And, uh, and, uh, but, but we don't want to join the church because we're afraid you'll ask for our money. But I want to say these last few months, and since I resigned at, uh, at Grace Mennonite Church, by the way, I was at Grace Mennonite Church for 10 years, but I never became a Mennonite. Don't look at me that way. They had a Baptist preacher. They just didn't know it. Uh, but uh, I want to say that these last few months, uh, since Gloria and I, we come here on Sunday mornings uh, as much as we can when I'm not preaching somewhere, and, uh, and we, we have loved it. But we were here last week when you extended that call to uh, uh, Jonathan Gilliland. And I was so impressed with hearing him preach. Just, uh, just, I was just impressed with him. And I thought, man, what a godly young man. And he, you know what? He's better than you think he is. And then I'll tell you another thing. He's not as good as you think he is. He's going to kind of need a lot of prayers as he comes into this pulpit and stands here. And... Uh, his success or failure depends upon how much you pray for him and support him. You know, if he does not do well, it's because the church is not supporting him. I'm convinced of that. But I thank God that you called uh, uh, John Gillian to be your new minister, and I look forward to his being here with you. I have enjoyed getting acquainted with the new leadership that's come into this church. Uh, John over here, you do such a good job on the music. 
I, I just enjoy coming here in the choirs and all the things that you do. We've got a, we're, our paths have crossed different times, and I need to spend some time with them over a cup of coffee sometime. Uh, and I know this church is blessed with a lot of missionaries, and I'm going to do a little missionary message this morning. The, uh, uh, March is back here. He served some time on the mission field. Of course, Perry over here and, and others over in the congregation spent time on the mission field. Uh, and you have gifted leaders, and I thank God for them. But I want to tell you what, he's not here right, he snuck out. Nick Wilson is one of the best Bible teachers I've ever heard. He is, he is a godly young man, he's a good Bible teacher, and I thank God for him. I told him, I said, Nick, you, you, uh, David Jeremiah needs to watch out, he's going to lose his job to you. But my hope and prayers is that uh, the best days are ahead for First Baptist Church of Enon. But the best days are not necessarily going to be marked by extraordinary leadership, nor is it going to be marked necessarily by all the kinds of things that we typically assign to the marks of a great church. Because if I understand the, the single most important mark of a great church is faithfulness. Faithfulness to God, that, that means more. There's a passage of scripture that says, I know that you're just weak and, and, and don't have much, but, but you've been precious in God's sight, as John writes to one of the churches there in the Revelation. Because a single mark of a great church is faithfulness to our God. And I want to say to you, don't lose heart. You know, uh, it, it's hard. It's, if, if you watch the news or read the news or have your eyes open at all, it's hard not to lose heart with what is happening in America today. Is that right? I mean, uh, we've gone through some dark days in our country, but... Uh, uh, I, would just, I would just want to throw in the towel when I see the things that are happening in, in our land and, and the turning away from God and the, and the march of ungodliness across our land. It, it would just it'd make you want to throw up your hands. But I'm going to say don't lose heart because I think that this gives our church and First Baptist Church of Enoch the greatest opportunities maybe that any church in the history in our lifetime has ever had. Somebody said the darker the night, the brighter our light. And so as the world turns the lights out everywhere, we need to be turning ours up, letting our lights so shine before men they may say, and listen, gang, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And don't be ashamed of the word of God. When I was pastoring over at Grace Mennonite Church, we debated long and hard about making, I, I might get in trouble for this, I don't know, but you can't fire me. Uh, <laughs> We debated long and hard about the homosexual movement and the way it was being fostered and put out. And so I, I, I wrote a letter to the editor of the Enon News and Eagle. And uh, before I sent it, I, I presented it to the church. I said, I want the church to look at this. I want you to take ownership of this. I don't want to be the only one in trouble. And, uh, and I, I, I wrote the letter. I wrote the letter because I felt like God told me to. And... Uh, and in it, I tried to express the most loving kind of way that I possibly could that, that we're, we're not against people who are having a problem with sexual identity. We're not against them. I, I'm not certainly against them. But neither do I want to stand back and say it's all right. It's somehow acceptable in God's sight, and, and, and we, we, we can just ignore this whole issue. And, I, and so I wrote this letter, and I, I gave it to the church on Sunday. I said, I want you to read this over because if I'm going to put it, I'm going to sign this to the pastor of the Grace Mennonite Church. And I don't know what the outcome of it may be. Now, I told you, God told me to write the letter. 
And I, 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 met, I wrestled with it for over a month, rewriting and rewriting and trying to take as much of the sting out of it as I could and yet not depart from what I wanted to say. And, uh, and finally, well, I, my daughter, she said, Daddy, don't send that. Don't send that. Well, what do you do when God tells you to do something? And so I, I finally mailed it to the editor. And guess what? He wouldn't publish it. Never, never was published. I don't feel bad about it. I did what God told me to do. But he didn't publish it. But I, I wanted to say, I, and I said in the letter, I said, we love everybody. God loves everybody. God loves all the children of the world, the red and yellow, the black and white, and the good and the bad. Jesus Christ didn't come to die for good men. He came to die for sinners. And, uh, but he, he never published it. But I want to say to this congregation in a world that's growing and increasingly dark that uh, I think that we have the opportunity to let our light shine. And I hope with Jonathan coming to this church that you're going to take advantage of his gifts and his skills to, to let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. This is not the time for hiding. It's not the time for being silent. Now, this coming week is a special week. It is, it is what we call Holy Week, and Nick has alluded to this. It's the, it's the week that focuses on, on those things leading up to the resurrection, what we call Holy Week. And it will be a Holy Week for us, but only if we make it so. It will be like no other week unless you purposely set aside in your heart and say, I'm going to make this week a Holy Week. Participate in the affairs of your church. Do something special with it. Think, turn your eyes upon Jesus and, and let the, your light shine during this week. And, and somehow find a way to let other people know that you're a child of God. And the Holy Week is a great time for doing that. What are the marks of a great church? What are the marks of if, if First Baptist Church Enon is going to be a great church? What are the marks of a great church? Well, I think there's two. One is obedience. And the other is sacrifice. Concerning these... Christ gave us two great commands. You want to be obedient to Christ? By the way, let's just play a game. How many of you love Jesus? How many of you are not afraid to say, I love Jesus? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Of course, the next question I'm going to ask you is, how many of you told somebody this week that you love Jesus? Uh, I, I told uh, I told Perry, I told your wife here a minute ago. I, I mentioned this to the church the first time I pastored, preached here a few months ago. You know, when my wife had her stroke and, and I was in the hospital myself, couldn't be with her. And all I wanted to do, I just I said, God, I just want to tell her I love her. I just want to tell her I love her. And I couldn't even get, I was, I was in that sister hospital down the road, you understand. They wouldn't let me out. And they wouldn't let anybody in either. That's the height of the COVID problems. And so my wife was met a flight at uh, Tulsa St. Francis Hospital. And I couldn't be with her. And I said, God, I just want to tell her I love her. Because, you see, I hadn't always been the best husband to her. And God was wrenching me over. And I said, I thought, I thought I'm never going to have the opportunity. And, 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 and finally, God allowed me that opportunity. And uh, I just tell her I love her all the time. She gets so tired of hearing that. I can't help it. Can't help myself. She's so pretty. I can't trust her in the kitchen, but I love her. 
Christ has given his church two great commands. He says, if you love me, if you love me, this is what you're going to do. You're not going to tell me I love, I love you a dozen times a day. You're going to do certain things. If you love me, keep my commands. Now, basically, God's commands to the First Baptist Church of Union can be broken down into two. And here's the two commands that he's given us. Number one, come. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. The second great command is this, go. Come and go. These are the commands that Christ has given to his church. Come with me and go into the world. Christ's departing words to this church was this, was go. Go and make disciples. Go and it's a message of missions. And I, I was debating this week. Perry, I don't know if Jesus should be considered a foreign missionary or a home missionary. Uh, I, I, you know, he kind of was both. He came into his own. That makes him a home missionary. He came into his own. And yet he left heaven's glory to come to a world that rejected him. That kind of makes him a foreign missionary. He was both. And that's where our mission band-aid is too, is also to be, to be both. Christ's departing word to his church was this, Go! It's the message of missions. There's mission different ways we can go. You've heard all the mission sermons. You've probably heard so many of them that you're tired of them, but you're going to hear more. But Christ's departing words to his church was this, go. Go and make disciples. Go into all the world preaching the gospel. And I believe, God, if, if, if First Baptist Church is to be a faithful church, it's going to be a church that's going to be responding to this command of go going into all the world and preaching the gospel to all creatures, teaching them to deserve all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And, Lord, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Never, I think, in the history of the world has our world been quite so reachable as it is today. Perry, I know in your, in your mission studies, you've studied all the, all the missionaries of the past and the great missionaries out of our own denominational foregrounds uh, as they began. Ed and Iron Judson going off to, to Burma, Myanmar today with his young wife, Anne. And we hear these mission stories. But I want to tell you what, and we think of missions as a thing of the past. No, it's not. There's a sense in, in, in which our world is so dark that we have this opportunity to let our light so shine and our mission opportunities are maybe greater than they've ever been. But they won't be unless you take advantage of it. Never in the history of the world has the world been so reachable. Distances have shrunk. Doors have opened. Many are ready to receive. We've had setbacks, to be certain. The COVID thing was a setback. Uh, you know, my, my own nation that I worked in for 13 years in China, the, the door is still not open there. It's not open. Their own people can't go anywhere, let alone people coming in to do much there. Uh, well, there have been some setbacks, but... but the, the world has never been so open as it is today. With the advent of fast, fast uh, transportation, getting on an airplane, being able to go off someplace in the 48 hours, being any place in the world. And we're going to get through all these difficulties, but we must be ready and we must be a going church. If you're going to be a faithful church, if you want God to love First Baptist Church in you need to be a going church. And finding methods and means to do that. And there are three reasons. And that nice, you're getting down to my sermon now. There are three reasons why we need to be a church on missions. Number one, because we have a Savior that's worth serving. I want to tell you some things that I've learned about Jesus. I've learned that I like his methods. 
Jesus never coerced anybody, but he always challenged everybody. I like his method. His method was that of a shepherd. Not coercion, but example. I like the message, which was full of truth and compassion. I like his mission, to seek and to save that which was lost. Everybody in First Baptist Church Enon is serving some master. If you're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean you're not serving somebody. You're serving some master. And you might say, well, I'm my own master. Well, I, congratulations, you've chosen the worst master of all. Myself, arch enemy of myself, my wildest foe, my clog, whatever road I go, myself. I don't want myself to be my master. Your flesh is a traitor. The arm of flesh shall fail you. I like Jesus. He led, he did not push, he lifted up, but did not put down. He forgave and did not condemn. He touched the leper, opened the eyes of the blind, forgave the penitent, embraced the cross, and rose from the dead. I like him. I have sometimes been ashamed of Richard Stevens. Sometimes I've kind of identified with that man in the song. You know, dang me, they ought to take a rope and hang me. I've sometimes been ashamed of Richard Stevens. But I'll tell you, gang, I have never, never, never been ashamed of Jesus. Everything he's ever done has been good. Every work he's ever done has been excellent. Every move he's ever made has been wonderful. I am so proud of my Savior. And the more ashamed sometimes I am of me, the more proud I am of him. I'm glad he's the same yesterday and today and forever. And we need to be involved in world missions because we have a world that's worth winning. We have a Savior that's worth serving. I am so proud of Jesus. Now, we have a world. We're a part of it. We're born into it. And it's worth, it's worth the effort that we have to, to, to make it. And you may look at this world and say, well, it's gone, to, it's gone to ruin. Well, all the more reason we need to be going out into it. We need to be working toward it and bringing the message of salvation. There are over 7 billion people in the world today. Uh, and, and every one of them is important. You know, you, we, may, we may look at somebody, some people and say, well, they're, they're enemies of the cross. They may be the enemies of the cross, but they're important to God. Don't you dare wipe off anybody as being unworthy until you've looked into the mirror. And sometimes we say, well, they, 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 they can't be saved. Or, be or I don't want to reach them. There's, I, certainly there's places I didn't want to go and people I didn't want to witness to. But, but then God tells me, he said, Richard, I so loved. I so loved. I so loved the world. I said, you mean, you mean people like that? Mark Zuckerberg, you love him? Yeah. What about, what about President Putin? You love that rascal? I, I think that God would want Putin to be saved. Well, wouldn't that be a turn in the, in the aisles? Wouldn't that be great? There are 7 billion people in the world, and every one of them is valuable. September the 11th, 2001, 
when the planes flew into the World Trade Center and the Pentagon into that field in Pennsylvania. It was not the buildings that the people was mourning for, but the near 3,000 people that died because people are what's important in this world. When the Arizona collapsed in December 41, it was not the ship that was lost, but the 1,177 sailors aboard the ship that was lost. When Challenger exploded on January of 86, it was not the Challenger, but Christy McCullough and the six other astronauts that were with her. That were, what I'm saying to you, it's not the things that Christ died for. It's not the things that we need to be laboring for. It's the people. Closer to home in the bombing of the Murrow Building in Oklahoma City, April 19, 1995, which immediately snuffed out the lives of 168 innocents. The people of the world, and every one of them is valuable to God. When our sorrow comes close to home, when it's your husband or your wife or your child or your parent, suddenly we begin to understand the value of a person. And we say, God, save them. You know, uh, uh, I, I've been hurt by the events in my family's life. Probably all of us have been. But I love my family. And I, I don't want any of them to miss going to heaven. And who's, who's going to tell them about Jesus Christ? Who's going to set the example for them? And you say, well, I, I've tried to tell them about Jesus, and they don't let keep Keep on. Keep on. We don't understand until sorrow comes close to our life. We understand the, the, the meaning of value. We stop being concerned about things. We start being concerned about our wife who's laying on a bed with tubes going down her throat and hooked up to a ventilator machine. Begin to understand the value of persons. When is your child? It's in the hospital and on the respirator. You begin to understand it's not the house that's so valuable. It's not the car. It's not the money in the bank account. It's that person that's lying there in that bed that you love so deeply that you do anything for them. And if we in our in our sinfulness can feel this kind of compassion toward people about us, just think how it must break the heart of God. Don't you dare not love anybody, even the most unlovely. I suspect that some of those disciples that Jesus called out were not the most lovable people on all the earth, particularly those tax collectors, you know. We give so much of our life to what is so terribly unimportant and neglect those things that are of greatest importance. But we have a world that is worth winning. We understand that it's not our bank accounts that should concern us, but the immense world of people, men, women, children, infants that matter and demand our attention. I mentioned the bombing of the Murrow Building, April 19, 1995. That was, I believe it was on a Friday. And on a Thursday, my wife and I, We'd been serving there at Emanuel Baptist Church in Norman for 24 years. And I'd been given and extended a call to leave that church and go to the International Commission, a, a quasi-Southern Baptist organization, to serve uh, on a full-time basis with them, opening the work in Southeast Asia. I love my church in Norman. I still do. And, uh, but on that Thursday night, Gloria and I, my wife and I, we... We drove down to Falls Creek. We have a cabin down there. Our church had a cabin. And I said, Gloria, we're going to go down. We're going to spend the night in prayer. 
about this. And because uh, I, I didn't want to make that decision without, without a lot of prayer behind it. And so my wife, we went down there and we, we prayed through the night and asked God to guide us. And I certainly didn't want to make a mistake in this and, and leave a church that I loved and was comfortable with to, a, to an organization that, uh, that frankly, I had, I had not a penny of, of income coming in. We pray. By the way, it's when we were driving back the next day, Friday, that we heard on the news about the explosion of the Merle Building. They thought at that time it was a gas main that had exploded. But I won't forget that. Because, Perry, I couldn't do that without my wife's encouragement and support behind me. And uh, which brings me to the last point. We have a plan that's worth, we have a Savior that's worth serving, which is Jesus. We have a world that's worth winning, which is our world. But we also have a plan that's worth pursuing. God's plan is very simple. In fact, I've discovered that God doesn't have any complicated plans. He has difficult ones, but not complicated ones. His command is simple. It's go. You cannot fail to understand it. Because that's what it means to be about our Father's business. And gang... Let me really encourage you to do something. We, I know we, we hear mission messages all, all through our life, and God bless us that we do. But uh, we need to do more. If indeed our world is becoming increasingly dark, how much more important it is that we increasingly send the light. You know, and, and this church has been a good mission church. I, I, I have a list down here, and I'm not going to read over of 30 or 40 people that have been on mission trips that I know of just short-term mission trips. Many people have gone out from this church on full-time mission trips. Steve, your son went with me to China one time. Kevin, you went to China with us one time. Uh, and, and some of y'all remember Richard Saladay. I don't know, he died here several years ago, but one of the last things that Richard did was to go with us over to China. And uh, I thank God because all, all they were doing was simply listening to one word that God had told them, and that's Go. If you can go with your feet, by all means, go with your feet. If it's a short-term mission trip, if it's with the Foreign Mission Board, the International Mission Board, whatever it may be, find a way of going. If you cannot, then do that next best thing, and then translate your life into portable self, which is money. The order's simple then. Go. You cannot fail to understand it. It's what it means to be about the Father's business, to go, to pray, to support, to encourage. Steve Green recorded a song a number of years ago. It's a beautiful song, and it's about missions, and it concludes basically with this words, May all who come behind us find us faithful. May the light of our devotions light the way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the life we live inspire them to obey you know uh, I, I, I hope I got two, teen, two, two teenage daughters goodness grief they hadn't been teenagers for 50 years don't tell my daughter Cindy that uh, but that's what I that, that's what I want their daddy to be known for who was faithful you know I promise you I'm not going to leave them a lot of big inheritance, so they better find something to rejoice in. 
May all who come behind us find us faithful. May the light of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe. And the life we live inspire them to obey. So send I you, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me. You've got a new pastor who will be coming here in probably about a month to give Jonathan a chance to wind up things in his congregation. You'd be in prayer for him and lift him up. But First Baptist Church, if you want to be a great church, you want to have a great pastor, be a missionary church. Love God with all your heart and give has been given unto you. Father, I pray for this congregation for First Baptist Church of Enid. I pray for their coming pastor, Jonathan, that you bless he and his family. I pray, Father, that you would lay upon our heart the message of missions. Certainly was on your heart as Christ came into this world. I pray that we may be found faithful to you in all things. For the favors I ask in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. We'll have an invitation. The invitation is simply this. If, by the way, if you're here by, by any chance that you've never received Christ into your heart and your life as your Savior and Lord, you simply need to come and say, I want Jesus in my heart. And Nick will pray with you. If you ask him, he will come. I promise you will. He said, whoever receives me, I'll not turn him away. But I want all of you to be thinking about your mission commitments, both with your feet and with your dollars, and make this the greatest year of missions of the life and the history of this coming church. For these favors, we pray for in Jesus' name. Nick. John.